Welcome to season four of the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, musicians, poets, actors, and arts and cultural organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture. This week, we welcome artist Brandon Dominguez. Brandon Dominguez is a boundary-pushing contemporary artist navigating the realms of abstract and pop art. At the heart of his creative universe are the iconic characters Brian, the brain, and Mooney, the moon, who take center stage in his vivid compositions. Dominguez masterfully employs vibrant colors, crisp lines, and dynamic motion to convey the universal spectrum of human emotions. Influenced by the whimsical charm of rubber hose animation, his work invites viewers on a journey to explore the essence of creativity and the myriad of emotions that make us uniquely human. In each piece, Dominguez seeks not only to showcase his artistic prowess, but also to unravel the intricacies of what it means to be a creative being. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're we're super excited to have you on. We've been uh, your name has been in our list of people to reach out to for the better half of a year. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, we're we're super excited to have you on. So, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you find yourself? Here in the Lehigh Valley? It's random because I'm originally from Mexico City. Well, I'm from Toluca, which is an hour away from Mexico City. And I moved here in 2020 after I got engaged and came to marry my wife, my now wife, uh, which we've been dating for over 10 years. Wow. So, yeah, we, we did the whole traveling back and forth for a while. And then... 2020, we plan to get married, go through this whole process of visas and green card and this whole process. For sure. Ended up here. We had everything planned and then everything shut down. So I, I literally arrived to the country yeah. three days after all the borders were closed. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, that's, that's a crazy. crazy story. So we had the whole like, um, we married at the Rose Garden in Allentown. Yeah. Um Friends and family, we just put a laptop in front of us, and that was our wedding. It was it was awesome. But yeah, oh man, twenty twenty, we had the full on twenty twenty wedding. Yeah, how has your wife impacted where you are today? It has influenced a lot of not just who I am as a person, but also why I chose to be an artist. Yeah, because I've always been very uh, creative, and I've always been since I was a kid, like drawing and all this stuff but i never took it that serious and as you grow older you know i i went to um business school and didn't didn't finish and i realized that wasn't my thing mm. but you know as you grow up you we tend to put away those creative ideas and the creative things we do yeah because we have to be serious and you have to find a serious job and in 2020 being with her stuck at home it was when I started to just share drawings and stuff online, yeah. just because I was feeling like it was fun. Yeah. And she's always been the one that, why, why don't you try to paint this? Why don't you try to use this medium? What, you know, so she's always the one that kind of pushes me yeah. to try new things. So yeah, that's how she's influenced what I do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I know the idea of having a partner and being a creative is one that is difficult for most people to find balance with. How do you often find yourself balancing being in a in a relationship and also being in a relationship with with your art practice? Thankfully, I have a very supportive partner. Yeah. So that makes it easier. Um, but I think it's, you know, like everything, any career, um, any job, um, it's a good thing to separate things. Yeah. Even though it's hard as an artist to to, to do that, because in my my head i'm constantly thinking new ideas or new colors and new concepts so that that part is hard to shut down mm. and she'll sometimes will be like you know you never stop like thinking of it or you never stop drawing and it, sometimes it's difficult but i think i'm good at stepping back at times yeah for um, sure. you know i sometimes if there's a big event or i have to finish a certain series of paintings or commission where I have to finish something, you know, I'll draw on the bed and stuff like that. But I try not to do that because it's important to to balance those things. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. 
I'd love to hear about some of the inspiration that you draw from for what you're doing right now with your with your art practice. Well, when I started to paint, I tried these very abstract concepts with a lot of nuance and a lot of ideas that were very personal to me. But those paintings, looking back, they're cool, but they're too too abstract, too, I don't know, too personal, mm. which in a way art is that way. But I realized that I was having a hard time not only connecting with my emotions, mm. but also having a hard way expressing those emotions. So when I started painting and tried to, because I went through like a lot of ranges and mediums. Yeah. Um, uh, I started doing doodles with um, Copic markers. Then I went to trying to be more realistic drawings with color pencils. So doing all of these different things, I, you know, was vaguely finding my own style. Yeah. But then one painting, I painted a brain and realized, okay, that's really fucking cool. Like, it looks so cool, the brain. And then I was thinking, why don't I draw some eyes and a mouth and legs and, you know, and then all of a sudden I had a character. Yeah. And that way I realized that I had a vessel to express myself better. So in a way, a lot of my paintings, when he's there, most of the times it's kind of like my own way of painting myself, putting myself in these scenarios and expressing what I feel. So these characters serve not only as a fun way to express what I want to, or the ideas I want to express, or the places I want to place them, but it's also like a good way to connect with the viewer. Because mm -hmm. sometimes uh, certain people identify better with a certain character than other. So that's, yeah, that's where it sure. came from. Are you familiar with the idea of audio description? Mm -mm. So audio description is a way that we make art more accessible for those that are blind or hard of sight, right? And so us being an auditory program mm. really like to lean into that and, okay. and advocate for that. So before we go too, too much further talking about Mooney and Brian, would you be willing to provide a brief description for our audience about what they look like? Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I like that. That's really cool. Um, so Brian is, both characters have, they're, they're based on rubber hose cartoons. The style of the animation that really old in the 1930s, 1940s, the, most of the styles, if you look at all of those black and white cartoons, they all had rubber-like motion because of the way the animators would animate these drawings. So the eyes have usually like a, a triangle cut in the middle uh, instead of drawing you know like a more detailed eye then you have that shape and it's easier to animate the gloves you know the mickey mouse like everyone like everywhere started to use gloves uh tom and jerry mickey mouse uh popeye it's because it was easier to animate the hands that way so the the brain brian i just grabbed the word brain and i moved the letters around and his name's Brian now. Uh, he's a pink brain with two big eyes. He has long arms that look like hoses almost. Mm -hmm. He has four fingers on each hand with white gloves, two long legs, and red shoes. So that's Brian. And Mooney is a moon. Mooney is a moon. She's very round, very cute. She's gray and same style, the rubber hose with the eyes. But she has very few details because... Being a moon, it, she has a couple craters here and there, but her focus is mostly about helping me express a lot of emotion. Mm. So if you look at Mooney, she doesn't have too many details because everything she does or I want to convey with her is extremely expressive. So sometimes she'll have a long tongue. Sometimes she'll be like her mouth will be very wide open. And yeah, that's how she looks. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I think it's I think it's fun. You mentioned how. Brian got his name. Yeah. In past interviews, you've mentioned that the artist Cause is yeah. one of your one of your favorite artists yeah. and one that you look up to. Aside from the rearranging of that, is that a is that name a conscious nod to the artist Cause himself, whose name is Brian Donnelly? 
I was talking about this with my mother-in-law. And she was like, "What? what's his real name? Yeah. And I remember his last name, Donnelly. I was like, oh, his first name is Brian. You know? <laughs> so it's weird. So maybe subconsciously I did. Yeah. But at the moment, being 100% serious, <laughs> I just saw the word brain and yeah. I just rearranged the letters and it, it was Brian. But now, awesome. you know, it's kind of weird how it circles back. For sure. To some of, to one of my favorite artists. Yeah, know? for sure. And for those that may not be super familiar with the artist cause, if you look back on Brandon's Instagram, you'll actually see a piece that um, is of Brian standing next to a sculpture of Cause in a mall in New York. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you go back and look at it, you'll get a, a really good idea of what of what uh, his work looks like. Yeah, his work is very inspirational. Uh, I definitely draw a lot of the colors and how vibrant his work is. What I admire the most about someone like him is how creatively he's not just a painter. Mm. He can make collectibles, figures, you know, vinyl figures. Yeah. He can make giant wooden sculptures. He can, you know, like his work goes beyond the canvas. Yeah. So that's sure. something that I look up to. Because if you look at my style, it, it's, I think it, I hope it looks a bit different than that because yeah. there's a lot of other artists that inspire my work. There's Matt Gondick, a, a pop artist in L.A., Daniel Arsham, which is like something completely different th than yeah. me. But when I look up to all of these different artists, not only the work, the medium, the, the what they convey with their work, what I admire is from any type of artist, and it doesn't matter if it's a big name, someone I just met, someone that's starting – I'd love to see how they can create that piece of work. Yeah. That's my favorite thing to look at. If I buy a book from someone's art, I want to learn about the artist to see how they created that certain piece. Mm. You know? For sure. Because that for me is very intriguing because going back to cost, the guy can grab uh, a pencil, make a drawing, then he does that digitally, and then it goes to a canvas. Yeah. Which is kind of how I operate. Yeah. But anyone could do that. You know, you could grab a, your pen right now, sure. make a sketch, take a picture, maybe add color on your computer, and then you can try to paint it. Yeah. Whether you're an artist or not, sometimes I think it's important to to touch base with that creativity that we all have in us. So for me, learning about the artists, going to the museums, it's not just about that final piece but about how they got there yeah and how they sure. created that that's what always intrigues me yeah in in line with that and i think the artists that you you are talking about are, are a good example of this there is in this uh, contemporary i i hate to diminish it to to saying street art style but that's what like the common the common right. thread is between a lot of these artists i find there to be a sense of aging or of death or of like kind of a nihilistic thought process going into a lot of their work. And I think that your work stands in pretty stark contrast to that with how upbeat, exciting and celebratory it is. Right. Yeah. And Hell yeah. And while well, you and cause do draw on some visual similarities, it's like you're, you're going in completely different directions as to what you're trying to say with these. Yeah, I, I that's I, I like how you worded that. It sounded yeah. really nice. Um, but yeah, I try to, and that's how I am as a person. I tend to to be, you know, in a good mood, be the happy guy in the room. Uh, of course, you know, uh, this morning wasn't like the greatest morning for me. You mm. know, uh, I didn't sleep well. I wasn't in the greatest mood. But I tend to move away from those emotions kind of quickly. Hmm. So I try to express it in my work a lot. I say I'm a contemporary artist because that's what I am, you know? You're alive. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> and it's 2024. Uh, we're all contemporary artists. But um, the part I like about it, being a contemporary artist is that we all don't shy away from doing one thing. Mm. And that's, I think that's a very a great way how you put that and yeah everything tends to be moody and nihilist and i can 
dwell in that at times. Sure. My last exhibition, Solkes, uh, I did exhibit more of that side, that side of my emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, the frustration and the anger and the feeling like, ugh, you know, towards people. Yeah. I don't usually do that, but I wanted to that for that exhibition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like to express the best part of things, the bright colors and sometimes the flowers, the clouds, certain shapes that can give that good vibe. You yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's, it's a lot of the imagery of cause with kind of the, the feeling and emotional context of someone like Murakami. Yes. <laughs> kind of like yeah, really kinda, pulling into that. That's a, that's a cool way to celebration to of life. Yeah. And I also like, you know, I, I try to, I try to, when I work, go into a series of work, I don't like to stick to one thing and one thing mm -hmm. only. I, I like to have this repertoire of shapes and colors and moods and, you know, flow from there, go into maybe very happy things, but sometimes a little more moody. And yeah. I, I, it's something that I've been, as an artist, it's part of that journey of learning how to express what I feel and also learning how to understand what I feel which is something that art has taught me. You know, right right in that same vein, you've mentioned that Brian, you see a lot as yourself, right? Yeah. And in some past interviews, you've you've mentioned that while you can't be out there soaring through the clouds, being on the beach and traveling, um, that you like to live vicariously through him, right? Yeah. What are some things that Brian as a character has taught you and that you've been able to actually bring into your everyday life? He's definitely taught me how to understand my emotions a lot better mm. for sure because in the beginning he always was smiling he always was with his very upbeat pose and the more i started to understand the character and trying to put him in different scenarios different uh, poses different colors i started to realize sometimes you know i made this collaboration with this artist in new york uh, he's just he's a street artist uh, he goes by the name um gargoyles of new york and his work is extremely vibrant, but also his messages tend to be very, it goes into the satire and, you know, sadness and things like that, hmm. even though the work's extremely vibrant. Sure. So when I saw it, I was like, I would love to start to express, you know, that it's okay to be sad. And then we yeah. we stuck with that. So that was yeah. the, 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 the message was it's okay to be sad. And Brian was in a very like sad looking like pose. And from then I started to realize that it is okay because I used to try to step away from that. You know, like it's the way how I was, I grew up, you know, like yeah. if you feel bummed out, you just try to move on from there and focus on the next thing. But uh, he helped me to realize that sometimes it's okay to not feel that great. Mm. So he has helped me to understand myself better emotionally. When did, when did Mooney come into the picture? I had this moment where I tried to focus on like character development and why not make different characters. And I started to get commissions and I was thinking, you know, it's a cool way to make money maybe. Sure. You know? um, I had this commission for a, it was a CBD company and I was like, Oh, I can make like a little weed guy with like eyes and arms and, and it's fun, you know, and it looks yeah. cool. After I did that commission, I was like, wait, no, this, I don't like this. Mm. And I had a bunch of sketches there was this little cactus with the same aesthetic and it would, there was Mooney and there were these other characters that I was developing, but it stuck to me like the moon. Cause I just like how the moon looks Yeah, and I'm bad at circles. So it was also a cool way to, you know, try to be better at it. So yeah. I drew the moon. I liked how they look. She first had hands and everything, and then I took the hands and the legs off, and it was like, oh, holy shit, like, this is so cute. Like, and from there, she is that, like, best part of me type thing. Yeah. But that's not real. She's not representing me in a mm. way. She helps me represent the fun thing out there in the world okay. or the happiest moments out there, you know, because Mooney is not, I see her as my creation, mm. not me. Cause Brian sometimes can be 
very representing of how I feel and who I am. But her, I see her more as my, this, this is my little thing. This is my little creation thingy. And I can put her in all of these like different places and colors. And she's usually happy. And yeah, that's how I, that's how, that's what she represents to me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I saw a piece of yours and I believe it was called The Creation. Yeah. And it's it's with Brian holding Mooney above his head. Is that like a visual representation of that, that moment? Exactly. Yeah. And funny enough, that was the first painting of them together. Oh, that's um, beautiful. That I did on my last exhibition. In that exhibition, trying to be more descriptive for for our audience yeah um the exhibition was uh, at the alternative gallery shout out to the alternative gallery so if you it was really fun and we had some guest artists we had some um rubber house films being played so we had 1930s films yeah that we were playing old cartoons so that the people that would see my work could understand where it comes from and yeah because there were kids and stuff so it teaches like also like a little bit of history of where cartoons come from um so that was fun and on the main wall uh the work goes from left to right and meets in the center so brian being on the left it was all about my existence my emotions um the happy parts of me the sad part the annoyed part of me the you know the good and the bad yeah and with colors that are very like comfortable for me, comforting for me, which is a primary color that I love. I love to paint with um, red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. Um, and that side was very black, very moody. And on the right side, we have Mooney. And it started with more white paintings and happier tones and pink, green, and blue. A little bit of moodiness, but mostly expressing what it's like for me to be a creative person. Mm. And they convey in the middle and he's holding her above his head with all these shapes coming together and all these colors blending it together. Because that's for me being an artist, that's kind of how it feels. Not only expressing who I am and what I feel, but also showing and in a way... I don't know what's the word, like flexing what it feels like to be creative. Yeah, for sure. You know, because it's, it's fun. It's a fun experience. Um, Expression it's, from the deepest yeah, part of your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, and sometimes it can be as simple as, I like this color and I'm just going to paint it just because it looks cool. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't have to have that deeper meaning. Yeah. But subconsciously it does. Well, you've mentioned that you had a couple guest artists there and you've mentioned a couple artists that you've worked with now. Yeah. Um, on your Never Again Studio podcast interview, you mentioned that one of your favorite things about being an artist are the conversations and opportunities that you've had to work with others. Who are some of these people and how has their presence in your art career helped shape where you are today? Well, the first person I would like to mention, um, a great way to express um, my art. I, I also, uh, I love to bring my art everywhere I go with me. And also be as uh, easily accessible for anyone. So I love to make stickers. So one of the first persons that helped me with the sticker world and it's a whole community, it's a whole culture. It's uh, He's at do.thatdog, T-H-A-D-O-G. Um, he's someone that's been doing sticker art for years. And he's the first person that introduced me to this community and gave me like the first tips and you know so that's one of them um man there's so many artists that i've worked with um well everyone at the alternative gallery mm. there it's an, a great community of artists yeah um um which hopefully i get to move in soon uh i was selected for part of their um resident artist program right? resident artist program Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that's in the works. But yeah, everyone there, they're all amazing. Uh, Jay, Tyler, uh, David, Emily, don't know who they are. Uh, out of like the top of my head, some of the guest artists that were with me at the Salkas exhibition. Um, the first one, his, uh, their name is uh, Taylor Sky. They go um, on Instagram as 
Tyler Sky Art. He is, um, there's someone I met recently, um, thanks to Art, and we got to do a painting together and exhibit that painting that day, and it was sold that day. And our, our styles are very different, and somehow they work great together. Um, another person would be um, Emily Autumn. She is an, an artist that is um, based in the, the Alternative Gallery. She and her partner, David, own Rugged Imperfections. Mm. They do these amazing works of art with, because she does painting. And um, they're able together to make great works of art with toughing, making uh, rugs. Um, all of my people at SO Arts in Lancaster, there's a bunch of artists there also. Uh, Andy, Zach, um, they're awesome there. Uh, and Jaya Echeverria, they're an artist here in the Lehigh Valley, and they're the co-founder of the Alternative Gallery. They're someone I look up to um, because they've not only introduced me to a lot of people, but also uh, they're always in the move. So I, thanks to their work, I can see the different galleries that are around and different people. So it's, yeah, oh, that's a lot awesome. of great artists here in the Lehigh Valley. For sure. So you talked about in the exhibition that you had that that learning point for the rubber hose animation that was playing there. In the past, you've also mentioned about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. As a huge source of inspiration yeah. for you growing up, um, and especially what got you into drawing again. Yeah. Right? Moving on from that, how have you seen or felt or even experienced the influence of a lot of those those early inspirations from childhood impact what your work is now? They always come back because it's, uh, it's like very cyclical. Like I started trying to redraw cartoons or characters from certain movies or shows that I would watch as a kid, you know, uh, tried to redraw The Simpsons, tried to draw Spider-Man. And in a way, as I grow up or grew up as an artist, it kind of comes back, you know, because now I not only see those characters as fun, because it's still very enjoyable to watch these cartoons and films, yeah. but they can bring inspiration to what I do. And it's fun to have those eyes where you can be watching or I can be watching the really shitty movie, you know? <laughs> I, I saw this this film called Saltburn uh -huh. recently. I didn't like it, but it was shot beautifully. Mm -hmm. And some of the color palettes, I was like, ooh, the way they used this uh, indigo with this red and, you know, things like that where I can draw inspiration from, even yeah. though I might not like what I'm watching. Yeah. It's fun to see how those things kind of come back. And in a way, I can notice that it not only inspires me, but I can see how it inspires so many other artists. Mm -hmm. Like going back to Cause, like one of his most exp expensive paintings was one of his works redrawing The Simpsons. And it's yep. like, it's crazy, like how we all draw inspiration as artists yeah. from all of these different things, even as a kid, like, you know, from, from cartoons that I used to watch and now... I can rewatch SpongeBob and I can see I'm going to start working on these paintings where Brian and Mooney are like splatter. They look like splats. And that's something I grew, drew inspiration from uh, Plankton when he had like splat on the floor. Yeah. You know, so it's inspiration from everything. Yeah. yeah. This, this waving and splatters and drips seem to be a common motif in your work. Yeah. They, I like to give a lot of motion in, yeah. in my paintings. Because in a way, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm a very visual person. I'm not the, the greatest at reading. I'm not the greatest at staying still or, you know, just staring at this one thing for too long. So in my work, I try to bring as much motion as possible as I can. Yeah. So sometimes these strips or these flows or lines or splatters or shapes can help me use the image to convey motion. That's for something sure. I love to do. So that, to me, brings us to the art piece that you submitted to talk about, which is Shine, which is the 
12 eight by 10 canvases. So again, I want to, I want to go through this, this art description, audio description process and see what we can get out of it. I love this. This is like a <laughs> cool learning experience for me. Finding like a way to describe what yeah. I do. It's 12 canvases. They're eight by 12. So it's very symmetrical through each painting. They all have different shapes, very abstract shapes. Cause at the moment I was trying to lean into the, try not to make things too, too perfect. Cause that's what I tend to do. Clean lines, clean cuts, very neat and pristine. But here I tried to just grab colors. And if I remember correctly, I think my wife showed me a video of something that it was through a microscope. I, if I remember correctly. And there were these like shaves that like ingrained in my head so it's 12 12 canvases they each have different colors none of the colors are the same some of some of the blues might look similar some of the greens might look similar but they're all every single color is different none of them repeat so the uh the motion the painting goes it's from right to left and there's all of these cubes and kind of like splats woven together and as you go through the painting, there's it starts um, with pinks and blues, greens, yellows. And as you progress, you start to see Brian in the middle of the work. But he doesn't have color. He's in grayscale so that your focus is on the colors surrounding him. And he's kind of like this guide of going through these paintings and going through these colors and shapes. And that's kind of where I wanted the viewer to go with the painting. Was this piece part of the Sulcus exhibition? No, this was, we had an event at the Alternative Gallery. I was um, able to do a pop-up studio for that mm. one um, open house event. And yeah, Brandon, the creative director of the Alternative Gallery was like, hey, you want to be a, one of our artists here to do like a pop-up studio, uh, which curious enough, it, happened to be the studio I picked um, for the resident art artist program. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I wanted, um, it's this huge wall and I wanted, I set up um, those 12 canvases right in the middle. So mm. there was nothing else but that, which that was not fun. <laughs> that was a pain, but <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that, that was like my main piece for that event. Very cool. There's been a number of pieces that I've seen you post about, um, that all use multiple canvases and pull them together. Yeah. Um, what about what about that medium or what about that way of expressing your work through multiple cells, almost like animation, almost it's, draws you to yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. That's again right on, like on point with the um, with what you're saying. Because going back to the motion, you know, if if it's only on one canvas, sometimes it doesn't look like it's moving so if I put it on several it might give a little more motion and it's also like a very pop art thing yeah very Andy Warhol thing where you're using multiple canvases type thing uh, but it's fun because it's it's a good way to give more motion to the painting instead of doing the one canvas if I do three or four or multiple it helps me to express that motion mm, for sure but yeah it's a very pop art thing yeah that 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 makes perfect sense when it comes to to the colors that you specifically chose there are a lot of these blues was there anything anything that you were aiming for with the specific shades of blue that you chose or like one over another not the way that really <laughs> no not really because i when i go for a color palette i usually use colors that i like or that mm -hmm. i'm feeling at the moment last year i was in love with blue this year I'm in love with green, so maybe this year I'll paint a lot of green pieces. But usually I don't, maybe not consciously, I don't go too far as to why I'm picking this certain color. Mm. It's more of a vibe, you know, of okay. what I'm feeling at the moment. Yeah. Um, at that time I was using a lot of brown and blue, and usually blue is one of my least favorite colors, and somehow I use it a lot, but... Um, I don't go that deep into sometimes why I pick these colors. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I do. For the Sulcus exhibition, those six, it was six colors 
that I used through the entire paintings. Mm. Um, those were more curated specifically for something I wanted to convey. But most of the time, it's just free flow. Whatever looks pretty next to this color, let's go. You know, Makes sense. Yeah. I think it's notable that Brian is the one in this piece. What made you choose putting Brian as the one in grayscale over Mooney, who is already traditionally grayscale, right. into this piece? Right. They helped me to put myself in places where I can be at times. And Mooney being a moon, you know, it could be very easy to put in these like very out-of-body experiences type things or in space or, you know, they could flow maybe a little more easy. Yeah. But uh, why I use him instead, specifically for this, it's because I would love to experience that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something like, imagine like just floating and just being surrounded by these colors and just enjoying that. That'd be, you know, kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, so for that piece, that's, that's why. Because it's, sometimes it helps me to kind of in a in a way put myself in that experience i'd love to hear about the lehigh valley a little bit more like as an artist what makes you want to continue to live and operate as an artist here in the lehigh valley if you look at all these big cities and um, uh, going to la you're going to boston or going to new york you notice that you know there's a lot of art there's mm -hmm. a lot of museums tons of artists move to those big cities would I like to live in one of those places? Probably, possibly. And I'm sure it makes sense career-wise to do that eventually. Mm -hmm. But right now, I'm happy where I am. It's a great scene. What it's developing here in Lehigh Valley, it's something very special. Because mm -hmm. a lot of artists, and this is something I, I spoke about with Brandon in the last podcast, he was explaining to me how a lot of artists that leave the area to you know find opportunities and grow um, with their careers they're coming back they you know? are because even though you know it might be a small city it might feel like we're a suburb of new york there's more traffic for sure there's more people for sure <laughs> yeah um but when it comes to the art scene there's something very unique and palpable that it's something that's starting to grow but it's leaving room for any type of artist to create something meaningful mm. and show their work. And that's something that I've been enjoying a lot as an artist, seeing that I don't see a lot of people doing what I do, which is it's a good thing. Yeah. And at the same time, seeing so many different styles and so many different mediums that are being showcased. They're not just at smart vending events. I've seen smaller artists if you want to call it that way exhibit their works at awesome galleries around here you yeah. know with all different types of backgrounds and that very connected community vibe that it's happening here it's what so far it's enjoyable that it's making me stay here you know awesome yeah very cool well another thing that we like to cover on the show is this idea of art education and what that means and how how it differs in its meaning to everybody. Yeah. Um, in past interviews, you've talked about how your art practice as it is today is relatively young. Yeah. And that you started really not all that long ago. No. So yeah. I'd I'd love to hear about that that education portion and however however you want to take that or whatever that means to you. You know, for me, education or school was always like this, you know, talking to Elise about school like how I always like kind of didn't like it you know established going to school and do your homework and all that but it, it as I grow older I realize how important it is to educate yourself in whatever it is that you want to do my background as an artist it's nowhere close to art you know because I went to business school I was like aiming for that like make my own business and you know completely different i realized it didn't work for me but i do see the value of what i learned at the moment now mm. you know even though i want to do this as a live for a living and i want to keep growing as an artist of course i try to dive into whatever is available for me at the moment which is a lot you can get a lot of information uh, you know 
easily yeah. um, as an artist. But I do see the value of using whatever it is that you learned before as an artist. Because I went to business school, I didn't like the vibe. I didn't like what type of, you know, mentality, everything, people. It was not for me. But some of the stuff that I learned, you know, helped me uh, as an artist, you know, because sometimes you have to do like the business thing. Sometimes you have to like sell stuff and this and that, yeah. marketing, blah, blah, blah. It is important to keep learning. Mm. Whatever it is that you can get your hands on, if you're lucky enough to go to school, go to college and do that, if it works for you, like go for it yeah. and make the best of it. Um, in my experience, I'm, so, I'm a self-taught artist, but there's a lot of information out there. Yes, a lot. There is. You can go to YouTube. Uh, um, I started, I'm trying to start to get better uh, 3D modeling and animation. So there's courses out there. There's You go on YouTube and there's these amazing artists that are professional and have been doing that for years. And you can get a whole course out of them. There's Skillshare, which is a great website for any sort of career. There's stuff to how to make a resume, how to do this, how to use Instagram, how to like all of these things that might seem mundane. That's a great platform to learn, you know, because not, it's not always easy to go to college and pay for that. But whatever tools are available to you, a podcast or an audiobook, if you pay Spotify premium and you can listen to some audiobooks, if you don't like to read like me, like, just go for it, you know? Yeah. I'm always an advocate for being yourself. Mm. And, you know, this is a podcast that is aimed for artists. But you can be an artist in any medium, you know? Absolutely. And we were discussing earlier, even being a teacher and being that patient in a way is like a form of art or editing a video or editing a podcast, that in a way is a form of art, you know? Um, there's traditional art mediums and whatever it is that you want to do, I'm always advocating for diving into that creativity mm. and not shying away from it. Yeah. Whether it is painting, whether it is uh, singing, uh, photography, anything, just go for it. You know, even if it's for a hobby, don't shy away from being creative because that's something that I always express. And that's kind of like my motto, like always create, yeah. like whatever it is, because everyone's very creative at something yeah. and the world needs that, you know, because it can be sometimes very boring out there. Um if you like, if you're like my wife and you can do whatever thing you want to do and you do well at it, just go for it. You know, if you want to, I don't know, build a chair or use, I don't know, whatever it is, just go for it. Yeah, I, I love that. And that that phrase always create is something that is ever present in your work. It's yeah. like the words themselves are written there and. One of your earliest photos that you have posted on Instagram is that brain yeah. with the radiating, and it says "always create" on it. Yeah. Um, how long has that phrase been been with you? Like that that those two words together, "always create." How how long has that been around in your mind? For me, that little brain painting with like very, I think of it of like very seventies intro mm -hmm. type of mm -hmm. vibe. The two words, those two words together mean so much to me. And I was very inspired by a friend of mine. Um, he is a writer. He's from Mexico. We call him Giorgio. Um, he is a writer. He um, writes short stories. And one of his books, uh, I remember he mentioned how grateful he was of feeling, uh, of being able to write in how grateful he was of being able to create something. And I was like, fuck yeah, you know, like that's, that's very inspiring because it's, you know, being able to be an artist, it's something to be proud of. Mm. Because if you can make a dollar out of it, that's incredible, you know. That's something, that's someone paying for your work. And if you're able to express what you are, who you are, whatever it is that 
you feel, whatever idea. And if you're able to put that out there in the world, you know, it's something to be very proud of. And yeah. being creative and always creating is something that I live for. Because if I weren't doing this, I'd probably like go crazy, you know, <laughs> with all of these ideas in my head. Yeah. You you mentioned before we came in, um, for the listeners, we, we sit down with the artists and just talk a little bit about the show, about us as hosts, and um, kind of gush on the artists and tell them how much we love them. Um, but one of the things that Brandon mentioned in that pre-conversation was that English is not his first language, right? And that phrase, um, always create, was that something that stuck with you even before English? Like this, when you think always create, is always create what's in your head or is yeah. it? Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely like, it, it like stuck to me in English. I'm, I'm originally from Mexico. Um, his book was in Spanish, so it might've been paraphrased differently in English or he might've expressed differently, but that's what stuck with me, you know? And, mm. um, that's what I put in the painting. That's since then, since that moment that I painted that, something that stuck with me, you know, and mm. something that. I always tell people, you know, because even my nephew, he he's seven. His name is Connor, and he was part of my event because um, his dad is an artist. He works with um, stained glass, um, Mikey Dinora. He goes on Instagram. He's um, Mikey Dinora Glass, I believe. And, you know, he's around us when we do events or if we happen to have an event and we're – so he is leaning into that, you know, being creative, not – I don't know if he wants to do that for growing up or whatever, but he's enjoying drawing. And when we, when we, you know, had family gatherings, he'd be like, Hey, I want to play and pretend like I'm setting up and selling my art. And I was like, Hey, do you want to do that for real? And he, he made a bunch of drawings and he was selling them and he made money out of it. And, and, you know, that's, that's incredible. You know, I was able to help him to have that platform to do that. Mm. You know, like even if he doesn't want to do that, I will not just him, but anyone support that, you know. Yeah. Because I'm like a, I'm like the biggest fan for other artists, you know. Like all my friends, I love to share. I love to talk about their work, because I think it's extremely important to have a if you have a voice to, and if I have a platform to tell people that are listening or seeing my work that they should be doing something that they should be creative. Because, you know, we need those ideas out there. Mm. Awesome. So when I first came across you, it was you as a vendor at Playback. And from a couple of the other inter interviews that you've done recently as well, it seems like that's a common thread, um, at least in terms of meeting people as an artist in the Lehigh Valley. Would you would you mind telling me a little bit more about your experiences as a vendor and uh, maybe maybe give a tip for other artists that are yeah. looking to, to, to try and yeah. find some success in, in the vending market? Well, it's a great way to expose your art. Thankfully, I've been able to promote myself and sell my work and have an audience online, which is like so surreal when I'm watching the office and all of a sudden I get a notification that somebody from I don't know Europe wants to buy this it's crazy and obviously all of these online tools are great but it's also very important to know your community mm. and connect with your community because you're part of a community as an artist and there's a lot of good art out there out there and thankfully the Lehigh Valley is a good area where that's a very accessible way to do so. There's a lot of events. There's events for anything, you know, plants, events, food. Um, so there's a lot of different opportunities to meet people. And if you're starting as an artist, you know, sometimes going into a bigger gallery can feel scary. But if you do a smaller event and you set up a table, sometimes they can do like a $10 fee or something not even a fee sometimes and you can show your work you can meet the right people so i think vending even in summer when it's sunny and you're going to be sweaty and you know you, all you need is a table a chair and show your work mm -hmm. and be there and meet meet people you know because you don't know you can meet the right person for sure well 
what uh what's next for you? What's what's coming up? What's on the docket? <sighs> a break. I need a break. Um because <laughs> December twenty-third I had my first solo show. Uh, that was a lot of work. It was fun. It was great. But it was a lot of work. This year, I'm in the works to finally get a studio because um, it is important as an artist to get your own spot. Thankfully, at home, I have like my own little tiny studio slash uh, office slash storage <laughs> um, where I can work. And that's wonderful. Um, so hopefully, you know, that happens soon. And just keep working with other artists. That's what I always look for. Um, being able to work with other artists, hopefully new projects, not only um, I'm in the works for hopefully making some collectibles of Brian, some collectibles of Mooney, so hopefully that happens. I'm commissioned to do the poster for the World of Animation Festival? Yes, that. Uh, At the Emmaus Theater, that's going to be this summer. And, uh, yeah, just keep doing my thing. Awesome. Super exciting. Well, where can people, where can people find you online? What's your, what's your Instagram? And what's your website? Everywhere online. I'm at brandondm.art. And if you want to get yourself some stickers and prints, something fun, some Brian, some Moonies, brandondm.com. That's my website. So if you want to work as an artist together, send me a DM. Because I'd love to just keep meeting creative people. Awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great. Great space. Great meeting you guys. Very, very happy for this. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You can check out Brandon's work currently on display at ESO Arts in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm also excited to announce that Brandon's work has recently been selected to be a part of Midnight Gallery's Expression of the Mind exhibition. This exhibition is coming up soon, so stay tuned for more information on that. Our Opportunity of the Week is Winter Replay 24, presented by Mars Meets Venus, going on Saturday, February 24th from 1 to 8 p.m. at 143 West Linden Street in Allentown. There will be vintage apparel, tattoos, clothing, art, jewelry, food, and music. For more information, check out the Mars Meets Venus Instagram page at M-A-R-Z Meets Venus. Thanks for tuning in to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. Don't forget to like the podcast, leave us a review, and follow us on both social media and streaming services at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast.